This is the Horse Radio Network. I'm Stacy Westfall, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show, the Western Dressage episode. Coming up on today's show, I talk with Diney Swanson, Executive Director of the WDAA, about what's coming up in the Western Dressage world. I also talk with Julie Haugen and Scott McGregor about judging and training gated horses for Western Dressage. But before we get into that, I would like to talk with Diney Swanson, Executive Director of the Western Dressage Association of America, about what just happened and what's coming up next. Hi, Diney. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. We had quite the exciting weekend and then yeah. I'm... Yeah, I, I bet for you, does it feel like you've kind of completed this master thing you had no idea was coming at you in the spring? Yes and no. Uh, it was a big, <laughs> it was a big relief to announce the awards, but now I have to pack up seven hundred and fifty boxes of awards. Okay, yeah. so seven hundred and fifty award boxes going out for the Western Dressage World Show Championship Awards. That's a lot yes. of boxes. Yes. Well, let's say boxes for some and everybody gets a exhibitor gift, um, which contain the, those cute uh, patches mm. with the, with the little, we did the pandemic pivot mm-hmm. on it, mm-hmm. which is fun. Yes. And, and plus some swag. Cool. Very good. That sounds like, um, yeah, you're, you're not quite done. So the, no. uh, the, <laughs> The, the the main showing was done, and I have to say that at least from my end, I know I discussed it in earlier podcasts that I was kind of unprepared for the amount of work that went into filming at home. But as far as I could see, participating at, on my end, as far as entering, you know, staying updated from show secretary, um, getting my video uploaded and approved all the way through even your decisions on the judging process and announcing the classes and having us double check our score sheets and all that. I thought it ran beautifully well on our end. So I don't know what you guys were doing for like paddling behind the scenes, but it worked really well on our end. So congratulations. It was was definitely like a duck in a hurricane where it maybe (laughs) might've been still on top, but underneath it was working very, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. So it it went it went I just I'm actually still kind of amazed at how well it went and um and I'm ready to do another one. So you haven't even quite recovered and I want to know what's coming up next in the WDAA world. Yeah, so what we're going to do um is offer and we're going to rename it. Um it'll be the we're going to actually allow our exhibitors to name it, but it'll mm-hmm. be an international online show. Yep. Um, it won't be the WDA Western Dressage World Championship show because that belongs in person um, forevermore. But, uh-huh. You know, we just kind of had to, had to rethink it this year, but next year we will do it in person. But this was, you know, this online show is such a gigantic success that mm-hmm. we've, gone ahead and decided to do an international challenge or showdown or something like that. Um, probably in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good for the Northern regions and it's, and it's okay for the Southern regions too. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Yeah. And I know I, I, I haven't fully wrapped my head around um, how next year is going to look, you know, coming off from this year, but yeah. I'm excited that, you know, AQHA is offering classes at the world show. And so that looks like it's going to become a thing and yeah. AQHA pointing classes at WDAA shows. And so I know it's kind of early cause we're, we're pre, you know, we're, we're, we haven't even made it through the holiday season yet but I'm excited to see what else develops for next year. And I'm super glad that I participated in the online world show. So that was, that was quite the adventure and I'm glad you guys did it because it pushed me off from the edge of my chair watching and into actually executing. So, yeah, yeah, we, we've all learned quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. and we'll be um, sharing that 
<laughs> new knowledge with everybody, you know, later this winter on, you know, how to's for online showing because it, yeah, it has opened an entirely new door for a lot of people. It has. Yeah. And so um, the only other thing that really comes to mind for me when I think of WDAA in the spring is the judges seminar. So is that kind of on track? Nope. No, we have canceled that just because it, it was going to be impossible to be able to get a place big enough mm. um, to hold everybody and social distance. And, you know, you never know when these spikes are going to come. So yep. the deadline for judges, for licensed judges, isn't until the end of the year. So basically everybody who attended, who's a licensed judge, were getting licensed in February of 2020 that that period does not end until December 1st, mm -hmm. or no, November 30th. So what we're going to do is um, it, we're in the process right now of building an online judges mm -hmm. seminar. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, again, this has forced us to do something new. Yeah. Um, so for our, for our renewing judges that have to attend every three years, we'll provide that. And then hopefully in the future, go to a part in-person and a part online uh, seminar so we can include more people, uh, be more thorough, um, you know, and, and cover more bases with that. So there'll be, there'll be announcements coming up about that. Soon. That is, I'm actually kind of excited to hear that. Not that, I think in a very similar way that live showing has its place and will never be completely replaced by virtual showing. But one thing that makes me excited about the idea of you guys doing some kind of virtual segment to it is that when I decided in the spring of 2019 to attend as an auditor, because I don't have a desire to become a judge, I admire what they do and it's a phenomenal amount of commitment and work for them to become a judge, but I did want the information. Uh -huh. So the fact that you guys are, are going to make maybe another pivot and take some of that online where I could potentially be at home and audit some version yeah. piece of it is super exciting for me to hear because I know that I, I walked away with a lot of valuable information from attending live, but there is an attraction to me to, yeah. to do some of this from home. So that is yeah. exciting. And I know that the membership portal has really opened up and is getting really filled up with some great information. So yeah, that's our, that's our new learning management system uh, that all WDA members can access. And, you know, that's why we brought it on last year this time was to start truly educating everybody and giving everybody access to some really great information. So it's, yeah, it's constantly being built out with more yeah. and more information. Yeah. I know that when I was, um, you know, suddenly found myself remeasuring and verifying the sizes of my, you know, where my letters were set and stuff, it was super convenient to go on there and actually have like a, uh, actually have it in a format where, the numbers were already converted for me. Yeah. I could use my tape measure and didn't have to try to convert my meters to feet and all this little detailed things of uh, the tip on how to create the angle to make yeah. a square. I was like, oh my goodness, where has this been my whole life setting up things <laughs> like this? So, so all good things. Well, thank you for joining me today. I know you are super pressed for time because you have 700 and some odd boxes to mail out. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks for taking time out of your day. Thanks for having me. We would like to welcome ProStride as a brand new title sponsor for the Dressage Radio Show, including the Western Dressage episode. ProStride is the all-natural solution for lameness. It uses the power of your horse's own blood to relieve pain, reduce inflammation, and improve mobility to keep them sound. ProStride can be completed stall-side by your veterinarian in just 20 minutes with no need for trailering. ProStride is backed by years of science and success stories. Olympians to pleasure riders, trainers, horse owners, and their veterinarians trust the improved performance and lasting results reported with a single injection. No series, no daily supplements, and no monthly regimen. When every stride counts, demand the difference they deserve. Ask your veterinarian about ProStride. Learn more at pro-stride.com. That's pro-stride.com. With me today for the judge's view is Julie Haugen of Loveland, Colorado. 
Julie is a USEF dressage judge and a USEF large R Western dressage judge. She has over 30 years of experience training multiple breeds in various disciplines and instructing riders of all levels. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Julie. Thanks for having me. Well, okay, here's how it goes. I was talking about doing a podcast on Western dressage and gated horses, and your name kept coming up as a great person to talk to. And I'm kind of curious, like, what is your history with gated horses? And and that's kind of where I'm going to start. It's kind of a funny um, history about that. My parents had Tennessee walking horses when I was growing up and my husband's family had walking horses, but I didn't do tons with them. I had a lady come to me um, with her two Tennessee walkers and she wanted me to train them and help them be better horses and in, in dressages gated horses. So that's how I started working with them was with her. Okay. And now you also judge them, correct? Correct. Yeah. Well, I um, went to the judges seminar, the Western dressage judges seminar. Uh, I don't five, seven years back when it was in um, uh, Oklahoma and found out that they had a division for the gated horses. And I uh, was thrilled about that. And I brought it back to her and we started showing her horses in the Western dressage. And that's when I got my judges card for it as well. But um, so that I didn't, sh- I didn't judge gated horses in the regular gated horse world. Okay. And, it, and it's interesting because I attended the judges seminar a couple of years ago. I'm trying to remember now too. And they, that was the really the first time that I really realized that they had a gated division. And there are a lot of people who have gated horses that are very excited about it. And I was, you know, kind of briefly educated on it at the seminar. But also, um, I, I the thing I walked away with, maybe one of the biggest things was they were like, okay, you're going to see a lot of different breeds that are going to show because we're just calling it a gated division. So inside of there, you could have Tennessee walking horses, Pasifinos. And at this point I'm going like, Ooh, this sounds challenging. And, and they, they kind of correct me if I'm wrong. They said, you know, now you're going to call it walk gate lope. Is that correct? It's called a saddle gate in the Western saddle gate. Okay. And I was thinking again, I was there just kind of for the educational purposes. I wasn't trying to become a judge. I was actually getting ready to show and thought it was a great, educational tool, but I was sitting back going, this sounds like a lot. So when you started studying or when somebody goes in to judge gated horses, if they don't have the background from the gated horses, how, how does that look? I've um, really helped a lot of my friends that were interested in doing the Western dressage judging and other people. I've, I've actually been the one that talks at the seminar. Um, mm-hmm trying to explain to these people, look, because some people assume immediately they must be lame um, Mm. or, and some of them are, don't get me wrong, but many are not. Um, But I try to express to them that it's about a regularity of a four beat rhythm. Okay. That it can't go one, two, three, four. It can't, it's got to stay very regular and even the footfall, the footfall pattern isn't as paramount in Western dressage. It doesn't matter. They can be doing what some pe- people call a rack, which is a broken trot, and um, or what the Tennessee walking horse breed calls the flat walk, which is a, a broken walk. I mean, a, a walk is broken anyways. It's four beat, but, um, you know, it, it does not look like a regular walk, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, cause it, some people will say, oh, they're trotting behind and walking in front. Maybe if you want to conceptualize that, I, I don't, I just see it that it's the football pattern of left front or left hind, left front, right hind, right front versus okay. a diagonal disassociation, making it a back. Okay. I like the, I like the simplicity of looking for that regularity and, I'm guessing that, so if I'm a spectator watching and, and I do want to touch more on the judging, but I, I kind of, I don't even know the questions to ask, but if I'm a spectator watching 
and the horse comes in, I'm probably going to identify the walk. And then the saddle gate you're telling me is going to be that looking for the regularity of the four beat gate. And I'm going to guess that since corners tend to be a challenge riding on my quarter horse, that that might be the same thing where you're going to find that during those different movements like that is going to be where you'd see the irregularity. Absolutely. That bending and going through a smaller turn, that's where they're either going to want to slow down or get pacey, get lateral. Okay. Um, And because they're stiff, part of the reason a horse will gate is because they're a little tight in the back. So to have relaxation of the back and maintain a gate is actually very difficult in the training aspect. But once you get it, the gate is better because there's more swing, just like any other animal, right? Mm. Um, so, uh, definitely in the, in the turns, um, in and out of a transition, some horses will get really what they can consider mixy, you know, unclear in their rhythm, um, in and out of the lope or, um, out of a regular walk, they'll kind of pace a couple times and then go. So those will be, you know, faults that you will see. The other thing that a lot of spectators that haven't watched a lot of gated horses um, draw attention to is, and judges that are learning, is the movement of the head, the oscillation of the neck. Yes. Um, And that, that head nod that comes from the Tennessee walkers, a good Tennessee walker does that head nod when they're relaxed in their back, just like a really good trotting horse when he's walking oscillates their neck mm-hmm. or in the lope they oscillate that neck right mm-hmm. so um it's not a bad thing and then you will get the the ear flapping because that shows relaxation those are all good things as long as they're not too quick and they're not too um uh their rhythm is is clear i'm glad you brought up the head nod because were you at did at the Western Dressage World Show last year and watching the freestyle? Yeah. The the nodding the the one was it a lion? The gated horse that had the lion's mane was my favorite because he had like a, a lion kind of head on the horse. I don't remember it being a gated horse, isn't that funny? And it was so I mean, I think I actually went back and like found it online to watch it because the nod made the whole made the 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 ears and stuff and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is my favorite. This is one of my favorite." And the timing to the music. Yeah, sure. The timing to the music with yeah. the head nod with that headdress of a lion thing and the ears moving like that. I was like, "This I love this. I love this so much." It was and that was so, so this is now the pit, my picture of this gated horse nod, but it was so perfect with the timing and the costume and the way the horse, obviously they'd pick the music to, to, to match that gate. And it was perfect. I'll have to find it and send you a link. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd love to see that. So yeah. Yeah. That was really great. So when someone is showing a gated horse and, and you're sitting at sea and you're judging them, do you see any unique challenges to showing the gated horses? Absolutely. You know, in the, um, if they're a good strided gated horse, uh, the, the shorter ring, the basic and intro level is actually pretty difficult for them. Um, cause they just, it's like they start to get into their really good rhythm and then, Oh, they got to turn again, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and so you have to train that balance into them. Um, and then, you know, just like any of the other horses, transitions, bending, I found it, uh, um, me personally showing the horse that I show for my client, teaching him to do the um, free job, free saddle gate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Difficult because a lot of times with the gated horses, contact helps you drive them up into that gate. So okay. <laughs> you, you give the contact and they're like, oh, let's just walk. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mm -hmm. so teaching that, but once again, once I got that, and I think that becomes a challenge for a lot of the, the gated horse, um, exhibitors Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and it's a place where as a judge, you know, you're not looking for flaws in a horse that comes in the ring, but it, it can always be like a flag for you. I'm going to check and see, you know, is that, is that part of the training, um, 
going in the right direction, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, as a judge, that's basically your job is to help whoever's in the ring continue their journey in the training process for themselves and their horse. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the circles and leg yielding, because again, they, they're like, this is kind of hard. All the lateral movement is, is hard. They either want to break to trot because that makes sense or okay. they, um, or they just slow their rhythm. Cause it's like, it's hard to maintain the gate. So like Scott McGregor doing that level three stuff with his one horse, here's to him. Yeah. Yeah. He does a great job. Yes, the stuff I've seen it does it does look it does look amazing. Um and and I guess that when 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 you when you say it when you bring up Scott showing the level 3 stuff, um one thing I've heard is really challenging and when I've the gated horses I've watched, obviously they're built kind of different, which is why they gate. There's a little there's some differences in the way that they're put together. A lot of them seem like the the lope is a a challenge is that just kind of individual or is that kind of across the board for the gated horses there are two kind of camps of belief one is that all gated horses don't have good canners okay and the other is that it depends on the individual horse um i i would i would go with the second that it does depend on the individual horse however yes lopes are harder because you need suspension to lope and gated horses by nature, we take a lot of the suspension out of them to make them smooth. Oh, that makes a ton of sense. That's actually maybe the most clarifying statement I've heard about gated horses yet. <laughs> some of their lopes get pacey because mm-hmm. they, they'd rather just drop that one shoulder or, you know, and, and stay kind of grounded as it were. Um, so you have to really know what you're riding to get the suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and a lot of them, like in uh, some cases, they'll just really try to elevate the front legs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like falsely pull them up. Mm-hmm. Like they kind of do um, in the Tennessee walking horse ring breed stuff mm-hmm. where they get a little bit more like an oil rig. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but that they're still kind of grounded as it were. Um, and so that suspension now, the lady that I, uh, train the horse for, she's always said she's been in Tennessee walking horses for years. She says that if you want a cantering or loping Tennessee walker, they have to naturally want to trot when they're loose mm. because then they'll have a good lope. And I would agree with that. The black horse that I show, it took me over two years to teach him to gait because he wanted to trot. Okay. So, um, but he has a fabulous lope. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, it's it's been on my list of of things to do. Is one of these summers I live behind a state park. I keep thinking one of these summers I'm going to borrow a gated horse and you know ride it, trail ride it, and also you know ride in the arena and just mm-hmm. play with all the different, you know, techniques that we have that are supposed to improve any of the horses, but also just feel how that different movement, because I can see it and the brief moments when I've gotten on a few, I can feel it, but I'm far from educated on, you know, where to go with it. So this has been eye-opening. Um so thank you for joining me. If people would like to find you online, if they have any additional questions, where would they be able to find you? Facebook is probably the easiest. They could message me for sure. Okay. That would be, yes. that would be well, I will make sure that we put links to that in the show notes so that we get the spelling of your name correct. That's is How do you spell the last name again? H-A- H-A-U-G-E-N. G-E-N. Well, perfect. Thanks again for joining me tonight, Julie. Tired of having your boot sucked off, bit stride by sticky mud? Mud control grids are the solution. Frustrated by mushy, slippery messes at the paddock gates? Mud control grids are the solution. 
Is keeping the ground underfoot stable in your sacrifice areas and dry lots causing you to lose sleep? Once again, mud control grids are the solution. You're seeing a trend here, aren't you? Well, Han Plastics Mud Control Grids really has come up with the best solution. Unlike other plastic grids on the market, mud control grids can be installed directly on top of the mud. Let me say that again. Right on top of the mud. You don't need to do any ground preparation. The mud control grids are an instant solution to your high-traffic muddy areas. No more having to fill in with sand, gravel, shavings, or even old carpet. What's more, mud control grids will allow grass to grow underneath of them so they can be taken back up once the area is dry or recovered. Or you can leave them right where they are and take over again when the rainy season comes back around. Han Plastics mud control grids are designed to be installed as a temporary or permanent solution. You can take them with you with you move. Put down a lot, put down a few. Add more each year. The ultimate mud control solution. Check out Han Plastics Mud Control Grids at mudgrid.ca. Oh, an added bonus, your tractor or gator won't sync up to its axles with Han Plastics Mud Control Grids in place. So there's that. www.mudgrid.ca. She swallowed hard as they walked into the start box. She could feel his muscles tense under her leg. Five, four, three, two, one. Have a great ride. She didn't have to ask. He galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course. His ears pricked. Her heart pounded. He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability. Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Joining me for the trainer's tip is Scott McGregor. Scott is based in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He trains and shows gated horses. He has invented better bits for gated horses. He travels, teaching clinics, and competes very successfully. Although he's won numerous competitions, he's most proud of his wins in the Western Dressage Arena because it's the first USEF discipline to recognize and allow gated horses. Thanks for joining me today, Scott. And the first thing I want to know is how did you get involved in Western Dressage with Gated Horses? Well, thanks for having me. And uh, the Western Dressage was basically an evolution out of, out of Gated Dressage that we were doing within our breed. Um, we were basically using the USCF tests and hiring USCF judges to judge us and then obviously presenting the test with uh, gated horses replacing the trot movements with the gate. Um, as far as Western goes, how I got involved in Western dressage is kind of backwards. I started being more comfortable riding in my Western saddle, even though I had a, a beautiful traditional dressage saddle. I found that I was cantering cleaner on the gated horses, and the movements were more crisp, meaning that I just was simply more comfortable in the saddle. And by this time, I guess Western Dressage had been around for about four years. So I knew about it. I had looked over the test, which I found really fun to ride. And um, it just I just decided after a show year that I was going to spend the winter really investing the training toward Western Dressage itself, getting used to the tests and getting used to the equipment. And uh, that's how I started. <laughs> Very good. Is now is your background primarily? Is it 
pretty much all gated horses. Is that what you specialize in? Yes. I've, this is my 34th year training gated breeds. Um, my background, what I apprenticed with and grew up with were saddle seat breeds. So my background, saddle seat. So Arabs, saddlebreds, Tennessee walkers. Um, I had to teach myself in my 30s how to deal with the difference between saddle seat training and classic dressage training. And obviously I took lessons, which was extremely humiliating my first 10 lessons because I knew nothing and found out that the things I thought I knew were mostly wrong. And instead of being upset by the fact that I had to start over, I just, I did it. I kept going and going for three years. I took a lesson every week until I had built upon enough comfort to, uh, you know, start being effective in the competition arena. So it was a, a very, very intentional choice as was the change to Western dressage. Um, mm. I just found that my horses, my horses really enjoyed the equipment um, because the Western saddle disperses so much pressure across the back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, I, I don't know. It really came down to, I was very comfortable in the saddle and uh, it was easy. Uh, it didn't take a huge investment. My, my traditional dressage saddle was thousands of dollars. My Western saddle was 1800. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the massive investment I put into the dressage equipment changing to Western. It, it mm-hmm. just, it was easy. And, and I like it, you know, <laughs> I hate to say this, but I'm really <laughs> comfortable showing Western as a man. <laughs> it, it makes me, it, you know, I feel good. I, I don't know. This sounds really silly because, you know, I, I enjoyed showing traditional in, in the traditional, um, clothing also, but I, when I'm in that ring and I feel on top of the world was you know, wearing my nicest outfit and my horse dressed up with a little bit of silver on him. And mm-hmm. you know, that, that Western saddle, I mean, just, you know, I grew up watching cowboy movies like every other kid. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's, I appreciate you bringing up the learning factor because yeah, I, I know when I first took my first, yeah, probably at least the first 10 lessons that I took from traditional dressage trainers, I'd be like, I don't understand what you just said. Can you show me? And they'd show me and be like, okay, well, I don't call it that at all. And then, you know, and then they'd be like, what are you doing with your right hand? And I'd be like, it's, I'd be looking, I'd be like, it's possessed. Well, okay. I know why it's going like that because it's doing things that I would do in neck reining or it's doing things I would do in cold starting. It was, it's, but it's like unconsciously competently trying to do things that are now wrong. <laughs> it's, it's trying to do something that was right in one world. And I'm like, give me a minute. I'm having this out of body experience. Like I'm trying to wrangle my own muscle memory back in here. And so, yeah, I think that it says a lot though. It's, it to stretch yourself. It makes it so much easier to teach. I have so much compassion when I'm teaching people because I was there trying to change my muscle memory. And then I'm with you so much on the saddle thing. Like I love getting dressed up and going and doing it, but I'm just, I just, I'm more comfortable in my Western tack still. And so they keep teasing me because I'm, I earned my bronze medal in traditional on my little quarter pony and I'm, I'm going to go work on my silver medal and I'm doing most of the training in my Western because it's just where I'm comfortable. <laughs> and so I train it in that and then I switch back. So, okay. So, so I have, I have another thing to bring up in that regard. Okay. I had to learn how to speak differently, mm. right? You have to learn how to speak differently. You have to actually consciously learn how dressage is presented to the world using yes. the words that are appropriate to dressage and coming from the saddle seat, um, breeds. I, I truly, I spent a year, um, with a friend actually helping me almost weekly as I would write things on my Facebook site, which, um, I actually have a gated uh, dressage Facebook site and she would consistently try to help me by saying, you know, this sounds better in this terms. It means something to us. And if you, if you don't use these terms, the meaning is lost. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow. So, but like I said, it, it it's an investment if you have to come from outside of classic horsemanship in, in almost every every aspect. But it's fun. I don't know about you, but as I went through the decades of training, I actually got bored because I got good at what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So winning wasn't that difficult anymore. So what do you do? You look for something harder. 
Mm-hmm. Um, man, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to master. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, for sure. Yeah. I know they, um, I got teased behind the scenes at traditional shows. I got teased the most for my language of being like, I'm headed up to the, I'm headed to the arena or I'm going out to ride on the track or I'm going like all my language. It was all there. They would just, but they were so funny because they were, they like enjoyed it. They were like, you're so funny. And I was like, I'm glad you think I'm funny. Cause they didn't, <laughs> I was, you know, I was afraid I'd be looked down on and they just thought it, they were like, here, let me show you this. Or, and it was just, they were, it was very good. So yeah, okay. absolutely. My experience also. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, so obviously you've, I did not know by the way, that gated horses were already doing gated dressage before that. So that was interesting to learn. So, do you do you would Western dressage benefit all gated horses? How do you see it fitting in here? All right, so this is probably the most important thing that I think you could ask me, and the, the reason being, most gated breeds um, are not engaged um, many times because of the gate itself. So gated breeds can range from doing the walking horse gauge, which would be flat walk and running walk or they're doing more of a racky style gait, which can be seen in some of the, the possos, the, you know, racking horse, the um, uh, Rocky Mountain horse, and then you've got the Foxtrotter, which obviously many of them can be very much out behind themselves. So the engagement itself leans toward the Tennessee Walker because of their hip design. Mm-hmm. So it fits our breed perfectly in that we can apply a lot of well, actually, so far, I've been able to apply all the classic training techniques into this particular breed because they have such a huge ability to engage their hip and stride through, you know, each each um, step of their gait. So rounding them actually helps. It, it makes the horse better, um, substantially better in their gait as as well as their canter. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different way of viewing the horse. You're basically dealing with a horse that has two gates. They walk and they canter. However, within that walk, we designate three different speeds. You can walk like you're walking down the trail, or you can move up to a speed that's relatively similar to the trot, which is what we use in the Western dressage. Or you can actually, through extension and rising through the withers, push into what we term as a running walk, which is what we would use on our extended passes hmm. in, in the gate. So it, it works perfectly because we have the, the, the distinction of these speeds look different from each other. And one of the hardest things I think for a gated horse to do is when you're in the show ring and you have to do an extended gate, how do you make something that's having the exact same rhythm of footfall look like it has changed substantially into something that would equate with a trotting horse doing their extended trot? And it, that took a while. It took a while of really studying. What does it look like on video? What does it look like and feel like? And, you know, through, through working with my instructor, we finally got to a point that says, okay, we can definitely see changes that, are equal to what a, a trotting horse would be expected to do in those situations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it really, it benefited our breed. In my opinion, it almost saved our breed. Um, we, we as a breed, the Tennessee walking horse have been plagued with um, training methods that are from the 1940s that aren't useful to the breed of horse. Um, growing into the modern age. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say, okay, well, you, you know, that's not, that's not probably the best way to do things anymore, but what else can I do? Well, if you apply classic training in those situations, you end up with a horse that's beautiful, balanced, you know, presents itself in a, in a very um, elegant way that's appealing to the public. And obviously the public would want to buy those horses. I sold two horses this spring and it took me a, a total of, of one hour for one and two hours for the other on Facebook, just posting a video of them because mm-hmm. they looked good and they were trained. They, they were sold on what they knew 
versus on how they were bred. Mm-hmm. It's a massive distinction because any horse can be improved through the, the classic training methods and through those training methods increase their, their potential value. So that, that made a big difference because no longer were you buying a set of papers that looked like, wow, you've got nice world champions on those papers. Now you're buying training. You're mm-hmm. buying proven training. My horse is a first level horse. Well, then it, it should know how to do the first level movements. Mm-hmm. And my horse is a winning first level horse. Well, then it should know how to do all the first level movements really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you're selling you're selling the training instead of selling the breeding. Mm-hmm. That's a great distinction because I know when I was on your Facebook page and I was watching that ride that you did. We have. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes because that ride that you did in the it looks like you're riding in a small lake. Like the arena was just flooded. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that ride? Because here's what I saw. I don't know gated horses that well, but what I saw was a horse that I would happily get on and ride. Like I, I saw a horse that I was like, I would easily be like, yep, I want to get on and ride that one. And to me, when I go to different disciplines and I, and I, and I look, I'm like, that's kind of one of my hallmarks. I'm like, if I don't know that much about it, first question, does it look like one that I would want to get on and ride? And that definitely passed it. Can you tell me a little bit about that ride? Yeah, definitely. Well, that that ride was on my horse Ozzy, my my personal horse, and uh, you still there? Yep. Okay, sorry, my phone was beeping. Okay. But that horse, <laughs> that horse was my personal horse Ozzy. He's a three year old, so he's in his very first, you know, couple shows. And we arrived at the horse show, and it just finished dropping two inches of rain. So that the hurricane that had come up from, uh, from I guess it was Louisiana, you know, crossed over us that that night and morning. And so I drove onto the property, and uh, here's two inches of rain that's fallen. So the, the arena itself probably had between one to six inches deep water in it. So it, it did. It looked like a lake. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't our, – our local GMO – CTDA doesn't really cancel a show unless there's lightning because, you know, it's most people wanted to show. In fact, only one, one uh, person uh, scratched out that show. <laughs> so everybody showed in the lake. The footing was good. So there was no problem with that. But what, what really was neat to see in that young horse, the Tennessee Walker is generally a pretty calm breed. They, they're affable. They are quite happy to do what you want to do. Um, the more, compassion and love that you show them the harder they work for you so when you end up in a very odd situation which the young horse had never seen before he just kept doing his job because he knew i was happy with him i was mm-hmm. petting him and telling him he's a good boy and he's like okay <laughs> yeah so he ended up he ended up getting a tremendously good score um he won high score that day um mostly because he just went in there and did his job he did the same thing he would have done without all the water so yeah that is that is a super neat attribute of our breed, and that uh, is. one of the things that one of the things I think we've gotten you know some really good um, building of relationships within our local area for both Western dressage and the gated horses. Mm-hmm. Now I have a question, and it's uh, yeah. So I don't know that much about gated horses myself. I've briefly ridden a few. Um, if somebody were to ask me to train a gated horse, if they were like, Hey Stacy, I want to send you the horse and have you start working on some Western dressage moves. And what, what would I notice that would be different if I started training a Tennessee Walker, uh, just because of like, you've mentioned the way that they're built different, you know, what would I notice? All right. So the, the hardest thing for the gated people to understand is that if you, take a horse and you begin to train them in a classic way, just like you train, you know, any other of the breeds that might show up in a, in a dressage arena, the technique works. It's a, it's a foundational technique that can be applied to any and all horses and better them. So what should you expect? You should expect that the horse is capable of taking a very long stride. That it's through that it, it has tremendous balance and, the horses are extremely flexible. So when you're working on a bend, even a, a very tight bend in a 10-meter circle or going through your transitions, um, they're able to sit 
into their gait from the canter extremely well, where, where it's an instantaneous change in balance. Hmm. They're able to, um, well, the, the flexibility, I think, is, a, is their biggest attribute. When you're on bend and this long striding back, <laughs> back leg movement is able to, to bend in you know, a very tight movement, you, you, it, it looks neat. It also looks fabulous when they're leg yielding because they have a a double cross leg type of look as they're they're yielding and it's it's beautiful. It's almost astonishing how cool it looks because you're you're basically seeing the legs come across each other pretty close together. They they have to be in a four beat timing, but visually it looks very very much together as they cross both their front and back legs because of their lateral base gait. So that movement is probably, in my opinion, prettier um, on a gated horse because it, it is so flattering to their gait itself. Um, the hardest part of a gated horse is their canter. Because the Tennessee Walker has a very long, deep hip structure and their gait itself is a, a lateral base gait, to get the diagonal legs to hit the ground clean in a three-beat rhythm, takes about a year to develop on most horses. Mm -hmm. A good horse might do it naturally right off the bat, but the, the longer the horse strides, the, the more work it is required to control the haunches. Now, you know, many of my trotting friends said, well, that's true with our horses too. And, you know, <laughs> it is, I mean, it, but, but that's where I find that people have trouble when they go to canter them. It's like, well, this horse doesn't canter. It's like, well, you haven't built the haunches strength yet to support the canter and um you know it, it basically the the best way to teach them to canter is to be in a field and let them get going you know mm -hmm. don't worry about where they're going just be in a nice gigantic circle you know or whatever whatever working area you have and just let them get going get get into the rhythm of it and then over time strengthen the haunches you know lift them through the core get them to to drop you know their head a little bit into a nice round presentation and all of a sudden the canter starts coming together okay so those are those are some of the things that you know that i find people talking about the most you know when when they see when they see a walking horse doing shoulder in they're really good at shoulder in it's it's almost the easiest thing that we can teach them and it's correct it's clean it it actually makes their gait better um haunches in is very hard it takes a lot of strength. Again, it's it's something that I teach after the canter, so the canter helps strengthen the haunch. And uh, when we start working on the haunches, then the horses are usually in two to three years of training already, and then they finally have the strength to start getting a nice, clean movement in the haunches in, and uh, keeping their rhythm, their gait rhythm. That's that's hard and possible, but. And as far as limitations go, which don't exist in Western dressage, which is another reason that I got interested in it, we don't have to pee off for passage, and we can't pee off because doing a gate in place would be a scramble, which has no no rhythm. Mm -hmm. So it would actually be something that, that would be, in my opinion, kind of a bastardization of the movement. So mm -hmm. probably best not to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that, you know, you know what I'm saying. So I mean, I yeah. want to, I, as a trainer, as a trainer, I want to stay as true to classic training as I possibly can, so that when a dressage rider sees my horse, they're like, "Wow, that is a really nice horse. It's well trained. Mm -hmm. It's balanced. You know, it, it moves in a way that we can respect, and uh, might be different, but it's a dressage horse." And I think that's that's something my trainer really instilled in me, uh, Jessica Roberson. She she said, "You know, I want people to see what you're producing." and riding and say, wow, that's a nice dressage horse. It happens to be a gated horse, yeah. but it's a nice dressage horse. And that's, that's pretty much the ultimate comment compliment that we can seek because we are different and it's okay. Well, you know, I, you totally achieved that for me with your little horse, Ozzy on that video that I'll put a link to in the show notes. I, I want to thank you for joining me and for teaching me more about gated horses. If people want to find you online, where should they go to find you? So the easiest place to find me is probably on my Gator Dressage website. Um, I'm sorry, my Gator Dressage Facebook page, 
which is TWH Dressage. And um, that's Tennessee Walking Horse Dressage, but TWH Dressage on Facebook, and it'll it'll come right up. And that's actually where most of the gated community does talk about dressage, whether it be classic or Western. We don't distinguish between the two. And uh, so you're not just contacting me, although you'll find my own my own Facebook page on that site, which is the easiest way to find it. Um, otherwise, just under Scott McGregor on Facebook. Great. Well, thanks again for joining me. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me and learn a little bit about the Tennessee Walking Horse. Well, Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Thanks again to Diney Swanson, Julie Haugen, and Scott McGregor for joining me on today's show. If you're interested in hearing more from me, I have a podcast that you can find on your podcast player by searching Stacy Westfall. I also have a Western Dressage Facebook group with over 5,000 members who are interested in Western Dressage. You can search that over on Facebook. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. <music>